Inflation for most people is causing them to use their credit cards to try and make up for income shortfalls. How big is this problem? In the second quarter of 2022, Americans added $46 billion to their credit card balances. Some of that could be you. The Federal Reserve Consumer Credit Report showed that the rate of interest on credit cards went from 14.56 to 16.65%. Those Americans struggling with credit card debt saw their delinquency rates escalate from 1.66% to 1.81%. The Cambridge Debt Consolidation program may be able to help you reduce the interest rates by two-thirds and cut your time to pay off the debt from 30 years to as little as five years. If you're struggling and you want professional and objective help getting your credit house in order, then call 1-855-435-2066. The Black and White Network now proudly presents Moms Across America, a new program where women can speak their minds openly and freely without fear of reprisal. Moms Across America is about the issues of the day confronting America from a mom's point of view. And now, here are the moms. Welcome to Moms Across America. This is Vicki Tonkins with my co-host Annie. And we are going to be, we're going to have a great show. Let me just start with that. We're just going to have a great show with Ms. Susan Daniels as our guest. But before we get started, I want to remind you all moms, you can get a free constitution at ashbrook.org forward slash constitution. We need to know what our country stands for and having a constitution. I carry mine in my purse. It is, it's good to have with you and it's good to know and share with your children. So now I'm going to turn it over to Annie so we can get right into the show. Hi, hi. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm Annie Bellis with Southern Sense Talk and also Moms Across America. I want to welcome our guest, Susan Daniels. She is a woman that I deeply admire. Um, she has a long history that is worth buying her book, which she just published this past May, called The Rubbish Hauler's Wife versus Barack <laughs> Obama in paperback, and you can get that at Amazon.com. And if you really want to have a conversation with her, say birth certificate and Photoshop. <laughs> Let her go. <laughs> Welcome aboard, Susan. How are you today? Oh, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Well, it's funny because Vicki and I were talking about you earlier, and I, at the point where the birth certificate came to light, my late husband and I had a printing business, and I had Photoshop on my system, which we used extensively. Boy, it was very easy to deconstruct a, a birth certificate, especially when the font used on it was not in the market at the time he was born. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> right, right. Well, my interest was not so much the social or the uh, birth certificate because I could tell that it was a phony right away. But before that even came out, became an issue, I had uncovered that Barack Obama. I, I found found it out in 2009. Uh, I'm a licensed private investigator and have been for 30 years, that he was using a stolen social security number, and, which is a felony. And uh, there we had a president in office who was a felon. Well, how can you be born in Hawaii and have a social security number from Connecticut? Well, in my book, you'll find out he wasn't born in Hawaii. I think I figured out where he actually was born. And it's based on a letter I found in Barack Obama Sr.'s immigration file. Um, I don't believe that Barack Obama Sr. was his father. Uh, oh. When he came to Hawaii, he was already married and had two children in Kenya. 
So they could not have possibly gotten married, which is why no birth certificate or marriage certificate ever showed up. Um, I realized there was not a single picture of her pregnant in the, in the spring of 70 or 61. And I started wondering where she could have been that nobody was taking photographs of her. Um, and I, it, it dawned on me that she was raised in Seattle on Mercer Island. And I thought that would be the most logical place for her to go uh, because of that. And um, uh, what I did is I started, in the, the, I should tell you what the letter said first. There was, a, a, the letter said that um, he had gotten his wife pregnant, meaning Ann Dunham, and that uh, she was making arrangements with the Salvation Army to give the baby up for adoption. So what I did is I went, I started looking around the Seattle area to see if there were any Salvation Army homes for unwed girls. And there were none in the state of Washington, but there was one in Vancouver, British Columbia, that was an, uh, 145 miles away from Mercer Island. And uh, I believe that's where he was born because she showed up with a two-week-old baby on Mercer Island uh, right after he was born. And I think I'm convinced that he was born in Canada, which means he was never even a U.S. citizen. We've never found a Canadian birth certificate, have we? No, there's no way to find it. There's, well, it's, it's virtually impossible to find anybody's birth certificate now because the states are very precious with them. And the only way to get a, a birth certificate is if you were a direct member of the family, you're an attorney working for the family, uh, you're a direct relative of some kind. No, I, can't, I could not find a birth certificate. And the one he showed, we all know was not, was a phony. Because first of all, they had his father's race as African. And uh, as we all know, African is not a race. Uh, <laughs> in 1961, the only thing the Census Bureau would have accepted would be Negro. And yep. that should have been on the birth certificate. And uh, the other thing is, although it was stamped allegedly by the Board of Health, there was no imprint from the notary stamp, which would have been used then. And I know that because I've been a notary uh, for since 1979. That was the first thing I looked for was an imprint of a stamp and none existed. Additionally, the attorney who was supposed to have gone, Judith Corley, who was supposed to have gone from the Perkins Coy office in Seattle to Hawaii to pick up the copies of the birth certificates uh, and brought them back to Washington, there was no crease in them. And I found it hard to believe that somebody would not have stuck them in an envelope. Unreal. With, with a, a document that old, there would be something on it stating that someone handled it. Even oh, if yeah. you're flipping through files, you know, someone's, someone's going to put a little wear on the edge of the document, but it was too pristine. I was told that it was it, it was st stuck into the book in in early 2008 into the board uh, a board of health book. And that it's kept in a separate room under lock and key so nobody can get to it now. Um, what's interesting is he claims that he was born in Kapiolani Hospital. 
Um, his sister originally said he was born at Queens Medical Center. Well, Kapiolani just several, when he was in office, they celebrated their centennial uh, anniversary, and he sent them a letter congratulating them on that. And uh, they originally had it out in the open for people to see. And I was told that his lawyer said, uh, if there's any question about the legality of this and you're using it for fundraiser, you better get it out of there. And so it, it was it was taken down and put away in one of the offices. Now, if I'm remembering the history correctly, because um, I've, I've discussed this on my show when it first uh, broke the uh, news, um, there was something about the nurse or someone there at the hospital uh, saying that it was impossible for him to be born there on that date. Um, I don't know about that particularly, but I know that neither hospital will claim him. No. Uh, it, yeah, they would. You would think that they would have at least a plaque up or something on a on a wall, on a doorway, something saying, you know, President of the United States was born here. Yeah, I was telling Annie before we started the show, uh, you know, when she was talking about how she deconstructed the presented birth certificate using Photoshop, I said, you know, this the thing that makes me both angry and and just look at this as a, a comedy show is that these are some of the people who claim to be some of the smartest people in any room. Yet, yet you're going to present a certificate that anybody who has Photoshop can go and deconstruct this thing and recreate it however they want to, you would have thought they would have put more thought into what they were doing. So I guess one of the questions I have, because I remember this happening, is uh, there was some type of flight or something and it crashed into the ocean and the person who knew about uh, this this whole thing with the birth certificate was the only one who didn't survive? Yeah, you're talking about Loretta Fuddy. Loretta Fuddy was the, the, was the director of the Board of Health, and she is the one that was controlling the birth certificate. She was on a flight, a small plane. I think there were eight or nine people on the plane, and mm -hmm. they were at a meeting on Molokai. And as soon as the plane took off, it made a soft landing in the ocean. Um, I saw videotape. It showed Loretta Fuddy, you know, paddling water. She was doing just fine. She had on a, a lifesaver. And uh, a, a man that worked with her said, well, I was holding her hand and she just floated away. And I thought, how, how, how dumb do you think we are? <laughs> Who is going to let somebody just float away and drown. You know, none of us are. We're going to be grabbing them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And especially if she's got a life vest on, you just grab the back of the life vest and float her face yeah, up. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, poor Loretta Fuddy, uh, for, for all her lying and all her, her betrayal of the country, uh, you see what she got in reward. <laughs> a typical wow. Clinton number. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But what I found amazing about the birth certificate, whoever created it, obviously didn't know graphic programs very well, because before you present it, you do what you call merge down or flatten the image. Right. 
So right. all the layers are then melded into a single layer. They left it oh. layered so that yep. anyone that pulled up the graphic could then separate the layers. And they didn't have that technology back in 61. No, well, the thing too is in his 2009 tax return, which was online, they did the same thing. The Connecticut social security number shows up on his 2009 tax return. Oh, Lord. <laughs> We're worried about stolen presidencies with, uh, with Trump. <laughs> Pardon me? We're worried about a stolen presidency with Trump. Look oh, what we yeah. had already. Oh, yeah. Every already. single thing that Barack Obama did, every dollar he spent, every executive order he signed, every law he signed was was fraudulent. Null yes. and void if it ever truly exposed. And that would be a constitutional crisis for this nation. Uh, we're yeah. in. <laughs> I mean, even his buddy, Hillary, came out when they were running against each other saying that he wasn't born in America. And of course that changed pretty quickly. But when Donald Trump repeated what she said, oh, he's a conspiracy theorist oh, yeah. and, and he's just racist and he's this and he's that. Oh yeah. And I and I, I just always had this feeling, this guy is not for real. Always. No. No. Always had that feeling. He um I was suspicious of him when he was running for office. And that's yep. why in early 2009, he was already in office. Uh, a client of mine wanted me to do background on him. And uh, I said, you know, I'm not going to find anything. He's already in office. They're going to have removed everything. And yep. one of the, and the, they did the dumbest thing. The smartest people in the room did the dumbest thing. They gave him a phony social security number that he used starting in his mid-20s. He, oh. he should have had a Hawaiian number, just like his half-sister uh, Maya had. And it should have started with a 575 or a 576. Well, his when I saw his starting with 042, I instantly knew that it was a phony. Because if it had been, I think California, part of it, uh, I think some of their starts with 575. And I would not even have batted an eye if it had come up with that number. But when I saw 042, which was for the exclusive use of people applying for a social security number in Connecticut, I knew, I, I knew it was false. And then, I, and that's where I started my investigation with that number. Well, this has been an in interesting conversation and we're gonna continue after a quick break. So Moms Across America will be right back here shortly. We are Americans, male and female, from many races and cultures from all over the world. One thing above all else is we are patriots who protect our nation and defend, when necessary, our Constitution from attacks both foreign and domestic. Today, as American patriots, we must take back our country from those who want to destroy it and us. We must start by taking back our children and their education. Parents, not union, should be in charge of our children's education. We must be sure that they are taught about the greatness of America and its people. Our children should not be indoctrinated with the belief that parents are racist and are evil and trying to destroy the world. As patriots, we must take back our country 
from foreign nations who want to destroy us and our way of life. Yes, as patriots, we want America to be first. We want an open and fair trade policy, energy independence, safe cities, and secure borders where we can grow and prosper as a nation of free people. Become an American patriot. Help take back America by voting Republican. So it, there's a, a, a great deal about my my life, which which is very unusual in itself. I um, When I was 30 years old, I was married to a man who owned a rubbish hauling company, which is where I, the name comes from. At that point, I was 30 years old. I had seven children. The oldest was 10. The youngest was 14 months. Oh, and goodness. my husband was murdered by a Cleveland mobster. Oh. And I was left... I mean, I left was left in a terrible situation, uh, without money, without without hope, without help, and uh, because he died without a will, uh, the lawyers managed to keep it in probate court for seven and a half years, and it was it was a struggle for me trying to figure out how I was going to raise those kids. Yeah, you but are somehow I managed to. You are a very, very strong woman, and you were able to take it on. But how how do you take on the mob? Well, you know what? It was it was related to the rubbish hauling business, and uh, in fact, the guy that killed him, this Danny Green, um, was was had been friends of my husband for several years, and one of my children is was named after him. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's the irony. And, uh, but I, um, I, I did everything. I worked all kinds of jobs. I went to school, um, without knowing it, he had left me a small insurance policy and I used it as a down payment on a self, uh, a coin operated laundromat, which was, uh, an excellent business for me to get into because I didn't have to be there and I could take my kids with me when I went there. And what I did is to make sure the place always looked nice, I hired two high school kids, one to come in the morning and mop the floors, one to come after school and mop. So the place always looked really nice. It never closed. I never had any problems with it. And I sold it when I started college because I went to college and I got an undergraduate degree while I was working and taking care of the kids. And then I, uh, six years after I graduated, I had been without uh, health insurance for, for all that time. And I knew I was just playing with fire because if any of my kids got hurt, I knew I would end up losing the house we were living in that oh, I was buying. Wow. So what I did is, and I tell people, I got a master's degree by accident because I remembered that if you... Uh, you, that you could get medical insurance through school for $75 a quarter. And if you had a family, it covered them too. So wow. I, that's what I did. The only problem is I had to be a full-time student, which was 12 credit hours at a time then. And graduate school is harder than undergraduate school. <laughs> yeah. I can guarantee that. But I managed to finish in two years. And and uh, by that time, I had found a job that had medical coverage. Well, wow. When did you become an investigator? <laughs> I it by accident, as most things in life happen. 
um, it, it was 30 years ago. I I was without a job. I have a whole chapter in the book about jobs I was fired from, <laughs> and they were many. And because I'm not exactly timid, so I have a tendency to speak of what I think. And um, so I was unemployed. Uh, a friend of mine called and said he knew somebody that was looking for a, somebody to work part-time for them as an investigator. I had worked at that point for about 15 years for the plane dealer part-time as a, well, they call them stringers. They're actually correspondents. And they go to meetings and cover oh, the most boring council meetings and commissioners meetings that, you know, you want to take your own life by the time these meetings are over at the end of the okay. night. And I did that two or three nights a week for 15 years. Well, when I had a chance to 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 go with this other company and quickly the guy decided to hire me full time, I was finally able to quit the plain dealer job. And uh, that's when I started. I, I worked for two years under him till I had the required 4,000 hours that the state required. I went down to the state capitol uh, took the test, took the written test, passed it, got my own license, and started with one client. And then for, now for 30 years, everything I've had is uh, referral. Wow. Wow. That's it's a not, phenomenal it's not a long road. <laughs> that's a beautiful story, though, just to see where you are now. And, and now you're an author. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I am. I'm still surprised. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, if you can write a book, then I'm going to try to my best to finish the book I started years ago. Well, really? <laughs> mine's mine's know, not going to be I about Barack Obama. I, I really encourage everybody should write a book because everybody has a story to tell. Yes, my husband's written five. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I'm doing one. That's it. Yeah, He's working on his sixth. Wow. <laughs> That's great. And he keeps saying to me, you going to write that book? You going to write that book? I'm like, You know, sure. what? everybody, everybody should write a book. I, ta I was talking to a friend of mine this morning who, who was one of my English teachers in 1975 at Cleveland State. And he was talking about thinking of writing a book and he was having a problem getting started. And I said, the mistake is, don't start at the beginning. Start in the middle, mm -hmm. and then right. way out. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because when advice. you start in the middle, then your your mind goes in all different directions, and so many things can come flooding back. If I yeah. ever get myself down, because I did start it, it's all on yellow pads all over the place. I just got to start <laughs> putting it together, and it's going to be in life. There must be love or laughter, or why is there an egg in the middle of my living room floor? <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, it's, it's not easy. And then uh, what I did is I went through Amazon. And the reason I did that is there was no way that I could get an agent or, or uh, a publishing company. And if you go through Amazon, and it's not easy to do, you can, you can, you can publish your own book. I formatted my own book. And that was that was one of the biggest challenges I ever had was to do that. 
And and uh, in fact, today I went back and somebody in one of my the reviews on the book said, well, there's you know there's some misspellings and some grammatical errors. So I went in and changed all those. Those will be changed in a couple of days. But the formatting is very difficult. But yes. once you figure out how to do it, um, I even included there's documents in there showing that uh, that Obama. Uh, how deceitful he was because he, uh, he alleged and he never really did. He alleged that he signed up for selective service in 1980 and the document that he had to, that he signed has the Connecticut social security number on it. Oh, I mean, they, they, they made all kinds of uh, foolish mistakes. These, these the smartest people in the room by, by attaching him to a social security number that was actually issued to someone in Connecticut in 1977 when he was a 15-year-old wow. in Hawaii uh, was the biggest mistake they made because once I saw that, that's all, that was the thread I needed to start to pull. Well, you said that you had filed a lawsuit. Yes. What happened with that? What do you think happened with it? <laughs> Hey, I just wanted to ask the question. <laughs> I can pretty much know what happened. Uh, the, 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 uh, you know, the interesting thing is everybody involved in it was Republican. The uh, Secretary of State, the the judge that that handled. We we had a hearing, and someone from from their office was supposed to show up at this hearing, and did not. And the judge browbeat me pretty good in this hearing. And in th three days later, he filed a dismissal. Now, I've never heard wow. of a judge filing anything that fast in my entire life. And I, I believe to this day that the dismissal was written uh, before the hearing. Uh, the, the document, the dismissal document is only four and a half pages long. And they said that I was mistaken uh, to think that the improper use of a social security number would disqualify someone. Well, doesn't a, a, yeah, doesn't that tell who you are, where you were born? I mean, that's oh, kind yeah, of it's pretty my, important. Oh, yeah, and everything on it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I didn't get a single nasty letter, a single nasty email, a single nasty phone call. I thought, boy, I'm really unimportant. I am no threat to them at all. Unbelievable. I know. You know, and, and I've seen over these last probably since 2010, since I really started getting involved politically, I really saw that there's no difference, very little difference, I'll say it that way, between uh, Democrat and Republicans of people who are elected to office. Oh, no. I mean, of course, there's grassroots people like us or those of oh, us yeah. who really care about the country. But I've, I've found that when you start messing with these guys' money or their position or their quote-unquote power, right. that's when you start seeing things such as a lawsuit being thrown out or no big deal that he has a birth certificate that eh, maybe it's not true but he has a birth certificate yeah mm -hmm. well, some it, of the most it's very disheartening it well, is i have a question um have you been following the story about the death of the white house chef to president obama and now his personal chef tafari campbell 
As a matter of fact, I had an article last week in American Thinker about that very issue. And I, I suggested, you know, the story has changed so many times now mm-hmm. that it's hard to keep track of it. First, the Obamas weren't, on, weren't there at all. And then they were there and then they were in the home. And then the d- daughters weren't there, but they were there. And uh, on the uh, day after he found his body, there's the, a picture of the daughters at Martha's Vineyard Airport leaving to go back to California. I, I uh, found a story that said a female had called in the 911 call. It said somebody who else was paddleboarding with him, and they never named the person who was or gave any kind of indication what their gender was or anything else, said that they saw him fall in and uh, they they tried to help but couldn't. So they swam to shore and the other person there on shore dialed 911. And I suggested that I thought it was the Obama daughters that, that Malia was the one that was paddleboarding with him. And that perhaps her sister was the one on shore that called 911. Well, now they're now they're changing it and saying, well, this Secret Service called. Well, they why wouldn't that have been in the first story? You know, was, there was also something about the police blotter. That one line was blank as to where it's, what happened. And I'm sorry, I'm a former retired cop. If I had done that to the blotter, my head would be on the chopping block, oh, yeah. and I'd be in the CO's offices, office getting chewed out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, stuff like that is so stupid because it draws so much attention to itself. Yes, yes. Yeah, the smartest people in the room. <laughs> yeah, they are. We better be afraid. Yeah. Well, Miss Daniels, thank you so much for being here with us. Hopefully, we can have you back again and, and talk more about your book and Oh my goodness, this this has just been fascinating. You know, you have all these suspicions and now to see someone has proven that your suspicions were right. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's oh, it's yes. awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, and thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Our pleasure. And moms across America, always remember, you are America. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. And we'd like to hear your comments or questions. So go to bwradionetwork.com. That's bwradionetwork.com. And give us your questions or comments. And thanks for joining us today.